0: Welcome to the Design Insights Podcast, a show about uncovering what drives and inspires designers in all creative fields. Your host is Sophia Clark, founder and creative director of Galliatea, on a mission to redefine socially conscious luxury. Hello and welcome to Galliatea Design Insights Podcast we are here today with lauren reyes welcome hi thanks for having me yes of course we're so excited to have you here so i just want to start off with tell the audience a little bit more about yourself where you come from where you are what you do we would just love to know more
1: about you yeah for sure so my name is lauren reyes i am an interior designer by trade i went to school for interior design in Manhattan at the Fashion Institute of Technology. I'm in New York City back in 2006. And ever since then, have been in this industry and, and I'm still completely in love with it. It's been a journey for sure. And yeah, I've been uh, ever since then, I went to school for it. I've worked in many different firms and I am an East Coast native, although I was born in Los Angeles. So I'm coming full circle because I was, although I was born here, I was raised in New Jersey and I lived in New York for almost a decade. And I ended up moving back to LA about six years ago, just to sort of try something new. And up until then I was working at Kelly Worsler as her senior designer until 2017. And it was at that point where I decided to branch off on my own and start my own business. So it's been a labor of love being, you know, both a business owner and an interior interior designer on my own. It's been so great and amazing and rewarding for sure. So I haven't looked back since. <laughs> Here I am today. That is amazing. That is why
0: the journey and so why interior design? Why did that call to you? <sighs>
1: Yeah. So ever since I was a child, I have always loved art. I remember being like six or seven years old and just it became like my second love language. So everything I wanted to do had to be had to involve art in some sort of shape or form. And I honed my skills even from a very young age. And I always knew from then that I wanted to do something professionally in art. It was like do or die. So you know, all throughout my adolescence and then going into college, I decided to, you know, major. interior design because I was really trying to find a profession at that time that would allow me to express myself very creatively, but still, you know, in a way where I was confident that it would still pay my bills. (laughs) Like, it was very important to me because I come from a, you know, I'm a second generation Filipino American. So, you know, the the norm for every immigrant family is to want to land a stable job, no matter what it is, even better if it's (laughs) recession-proof. Like, I knew in my heart, I was like, if I'm already good at something, I know I could make it work. And if I could find something or a profession that still allowed me to be me and allowed me to be very colorful and go beyond the line, sort of say, then even better. So I narrowed it down really to architecture, between architecture and interior design. And I was like, what should, which one should I choose? And I went through so much research. I have actually, a lot of my mom's side of the family are, are architects, or are artists, so i already been exposed to seeing, you know, what they've done in their daily lives, and when I was exposed to the, to the interior design part of it, it just, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it like literally spoke to me. It was one of those things where it was like, this, is, this looks way more fun, <laughs> and I think I could definitely see myself in this industry. I could definitely express myself a bit better, so I applied to be an interior designer to be an interior design major in only design schools in New York, because <laughs> that's where I wanted to be. That's where I thought yeah. the best place to study this sort of trade would be uh, and then there's his history really
0: <laughs> what do you feel inspires you creatively when you're designing
1: oh I mean a lot of things for sure but I think the first and foremost thing that really do does inspire me are my clients every client I've worked with till now, you know, past and present have come from all different walks of life. And so one of the joys of my job is to be able to like have a coffee with them or just to sit and really just get to know them and just kind of seeing like their ideas and like seeing what, how they think and everything and what they're envisioning, it really brings this other part of me out that allows me to dig a little deeper and kind of like adapt to, you know, what I feel like they are going to want. So that's kind of where my inspiration comes from foremost. Otherwise, it's mostly through, you know, my traveling. I do a lot, my husband and I love to travel. So any opportunity I can get, we're always looking for like the small nitty gritty things, not the huge, like loud touristy things. And that's where I always find, small joys in finite details like that and it's just everyday life sort of thing i'm just trying to Go through the motion. I actually try not to seek out inspiration too much. I'd rather it be very organic and come to me. So whether if it's like reading a magazine or kind of, you know, scrolling through blogs online, I'd rather it's just sort of like pop out. And that's when I know it something is very, you know, profound or resounding it's when it's, it's just like, it's loud and it speaks for itself sort of thing.
0: <laughs> so how do you think those inspirations, how do you take that inspiration and then translate that into your design? Like, what is your process?
1: So I love... The, usually for my process for any project, and, and this is speaking in, in like my planning terms and project terms, like I always create mood boards for my clients. And that's usually derived from inspiration on their end. On my end, it's kind of like a meld of two stories coming together. And we create we create like these vibe boards, these storyboards that I always reference to, no matter what phase of the project I am in. And true to be told, it's, it always 100% of the time looks like the mood board when a project is complete. And that's what I'm, you know, it's really a driving factor in how I design a project. And usually whenever I do create a storyboard, those mood boards, those images are not just like, It's not like, you know, we're going on Pinterest and like looking for a room that we want to literally copy. It's really more aesthetic. And it's kind of like looking through really obscure magazines or obscure blogs for like those obscure images, like things that really don't really say it out loud, but it has that feeling. And so we always try to capture the feeling more than like the actual look because then everybody can, you know, do that essentially. So, you know, Instagram has been a great tool for like looking for like, you know, amazing photography, like in that sense, looking at like other countries like in design magazines those has been has been like a really great tool as well you know like going to a newsstand and just like you know pre-covid but like finding yeah. those kinds of media material like that's kind of what I love looking for it's like little gems that no one else would think to pick from.
0: You did mention that you worked with Kelly Worsler. and so of course I definitely want to talk about that because she's a celebrity interior designer she's kind right. of everywhere at the moment she even has her own master class so what was it like to work under such a celebrity yeah. interior designer what was that experience
1: like for sure I think you know it's funny she whenever someone would like call her out on that but like you know say like the reality of what she is she would always like deflect it which I always mm-hmm. really respected but I worked with her when I straight from when I moved from New York to Los Angeles in 2014 and I was with her for about three and a half years I was a senior designer for her team and at that time, she and her husband were just starting to roll out the new proper hotels, which I'm sure a lot of people have started to get to see and experience for themselves are amazing. I was able to work on a few of them. You know, working for her was for sure the most different design experience I've ever had. And I've worked in many firms up until that point. You know, I, I was never, I didn't expect it didn't expect anything <laughs> from what, it was very in a way non-traditional. Traditional in the sense that like everyone was given the specific roles of how to design and like we were we adhered to st- industry standards which is great. I learned so many different new you know like technologies and programs like working with her because her firm was also like evolving especially during that you know during the times like there's so many new things always coming out and being able to learn that alongside with her and her team was was great but like working With her directly, she was able to expose me and mentor me and like sort of teach me in her ways how to really put together a palette, which I very much appreciated because no one can do it like her. She is definitely one of a kind. She's so colorful, and I love and appreciated that because I love color too. Like I definitely tell and encourage all my clients to try to go beyond the the whites and the neutrals and to and to sort of like introduce more color in their lives, which is what her mantra is, and I totally believe it because she's able to sort of mix materials and do up materiality play in such an elegant way. And that is something that I would have never been able to learn properly from somebody else. That is something that I, you know, took away from my working experience there. And it's it's a skill that I, it's hard to sort of replicate, but I'm just so grateful I was given the chance to do that there. And, you know, working with such creative people and creative minds, everyone was sort of, was a, it was a very good working environment, very creative working environment, more so than, you know, a lot of other firms have worked in before. Mm-hmm. So a lot of creativity was definitely encouraged, like a, a very a, abstract ideas were for sure brought to the table. We would often have like sketching sessions and just like really put your mind out there kind of thing. And be involved in amazing projects. Like, you know, some of the projects I got to work on with her are so out of this world. Like, I don't think I'll ever, you know, a designer would be lucky to work in a place like that because, you know, it's just so outstanding. Like the types of artists you get to meet and colors you get to play with and just like things that normally someone else won't traditionally do. It just happens. Yeah. Cool
0: to get those kind of insights because you don't usually know what it's like the behind the scenes of those super magical moments. Because they are really, once they're captured, you're like, wow, how did they get there? So Mm -hmm. it's always cool to kind of hear like the -the behind-the-scenes magic of of how it's done. In regards to your designs, I see that clearly texture and color were definite influences from Kelly's into your work. Mm -hmm. And so, how do you tell a client to help them incorporate more color or take more risks? Because I feel like as a designer, I've often gotten that pushback of, oh, I'm scared to use color, right? So.
1: I know. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are. And it's, it's yeah. sort of just like the way the trends go, I, I feel. It's kind of like mm-hmm. what everyone's just used to seeing. So as a part of, you know, my my I would be doing my clients a disservice if I wasn't giving them my full potential. And that's what I always, I always feel like I have to mention it because like, I don't want to just present a client an option that they could have just copied from HGTV or like, you sure. know, Pinterest, right? So mm-hmm. I always try to present speaking in project terms again like always try to present at least two or three options that show like you know the range from like this is very neutral to this is colorful this is really colorful but this what this is what it could look like when we mix like neutrals and the colors and like like don't you feel so much happier can you envision yourself in this space so I always try to approach it from a visual standpoint a lot of people you know have a hard time visualizing the end game and so you know as a part of our services we always try to literally present a 30 version of what their space will look like whether it's you know very photorealistic or very just like sketchy, which, you know, a lot of people appreciate too. As long as they could see something in a 3D format, it really goes beyond their expectations and it sh- like tells a thousand words. So it's like, you know, that's kind of how we approach the color plan of attack really, because that's the only way to convince a client that this is going to be okay. <laughs> and then we well, if a client's very apprehensive, we'll do it really subtle. It's through education Through to I always love taking my clients shopping with me and kind of exploring different types of showrooms. Sometimes I'll take them to like past projects too, just so they could kind of see like the, you know, the potential of what their their space can look like too so that's also another way I love to try to just sort of get them to start realizing like what it can look like
0: you did mention something about trends and I I do want to touch on that what trends are you seeing right now that you are really (laughs) liking and would stay as kind of like a mainstream way of doing things and what trends are you not on board
1: with (laughs) (laughs) sure the trend I am seeing well a couple trends I'm seeing right now that everyone seems to like loosely throw this word around but it's the California chic trend basically in my way it's like the east coast has their own coastal chic that kind of chic but like California chic in my opinion is very very neutral a lot of textures a lot of basket weaves. now everyone's doing rattan which I think is amazing. I'm I'm loving that that made a comeback. It's done really well. And it's sort of very airy and fresh and neutral. And then there's your pop of color with your palm or your fig, whatever, like in the corner. So that's what I'm seeing is happening a lot. And I do love it. I think it's very refreshing. That look, I feel like, will withstand the test of time. And it's just like minimal updates throughout the years to just keep it a little bit current. With that said, though, I think with the trends I'm not liking right now are... It sort of goes along the line of that. But I think the one thing that I'm not that into at the moment are like the white everything schemes. It's sort of, and everyone's seen this, it's all around Instagram. It's more of an Instagram uh, aesthetic, I think, more than a Pinterest aesthetic, which is another trend I don't like. But it's sort of like your white walls, your white, your white everything, your white sofa. A friend of mine actually called it like the white fluffy couch (laughs) aesthetic, which is very true because like everyone has that white fluffy couch now, which... In my opinion, it's not you know the best because you know one drop of red wine on that and you're done <laughs> so it's like you have to really think of things that are more functional more you know t- attuned to your everyday life kind of thing and um, that's like the sort of thing where there's a lot of misopportunity with that sort of trend because you could definitely do an all-white aesthetic but with a lot of texture and a lot of great statement type of pieces that's sort of it and then you know you, go, you get into like the whole Pinterest trends like everyone's houses look like Pinterest <laughs> or copy from Pinterest sort of thing which is which is fine it's a very accessible platform and I appreciate mm-hmm. that but there is more to design than seeing copying something else
0: I agree and I think it's inter- interesting that you pointed out that you see a difference in terms of styles between two digital platforms like between Instagram and, and yes Pinterest. so mm-hmm. I think that that's interesting what do you see are like the two different contrasting styles why sure. and
1: why do you think that is yeah it's funny I'm, I'm sure it's part like the Instagram portion of it is part influencer aesthetic and everyone loves like the moody vibrant colors in a way and there are certain things that so with, so with Instagram I think that everything going on everyone wants to put out like a really curated type of photo And, you know, it's funny, I do feel like a lot of people do when they do post their homes or whatever, everything is very much like this curated type of corner or the security type of like console setup and whatnot, but that's not reflective of their entire home. So it's really just like for the moment for the gram, (laughs) if anything. I do notice, like, on that platform specifically, as I mentioned before, that I feel like it is a version of California Chic, but a very, very toned down version of it. A lot of people on Instagram love to showcase, like, their plants, and that's sort of what is taking up most of the design forefront of their photos. All of their greens around their sort of neutralized palette. And, you know, it looks fine. It looks really aesthetic. It's really a great backdrop. It's good if you're having a shoot, but I think for the long run, it's not functional or timeless, really. And then Pinterest on you know in contrast to that for Pinterest everything on Pinterest is very much it, it, in my mind like the first word that comes to my mind is it's very colorful but it's also very dated like you've see, you've seen everything on that platform already it's been done and redone again and then redone again but you know a lot more <laughs> so that's kind of like how I feel about that.
0: Do you ask clients to bring in inspiration and where do you you know tell them to source it from because people' yeah. natural instinct are or- oh, I'm going to go to Pinterest or social media. Yeah, that's typically
1: fine. Yeah, I definitely, I always ask my clients to bring in their inspirations to me. I don't actually tell them where to source from. I'm always curious where they go first. And it usually is Pinterest before anything. I would say though, it's like lately, in contrast to two or three years ago, it was all Pinterest, but now it's been like Pinterest and Instagram. I would say a good like 50-50. So it's definitely shifting in terms of sourcing inspiration from my clients. I love that part of the process because I get to see what their thinking is like and you know what they're searching for exactly and again it goes back to the whole like Instagram versus Pinterest aesthetic it's what are they gearing towards more and like what do they like more towards of not yet a crossbreed of both so I'm curious to see like in the next couple years like how these two platforms are going to start melding And I feel like the aesthetic might just blend after a while, you know, so the kind of like what I feel like is what's going to happen.
0: So when clients come to you, is there something that you've seen that they repeatedly ask of you to do?
1: Yes, I have definitely noticed it's, Typically the same trends. I whether it's from one platform or the other, if one client is um, asking, is giving, sending me their inspiration, I've noticed that it's really the same type of look, and it's really the same type of trend that everyone else is doing. So again, like with the white sofa and the green, the greens in the background, and like really neutral rug with like the gray undertones and whatnot. Everyone tends to want to be on the cooler side. I've noticed. So a lot of the warm tones lately have been very lost which it's a bit like I don't know what the word is but I think a lot of people think the cooler aesthetic just looks a lot better on Instagram which I think a lot of people just tend to focus on more because they're creating their content from their homes now in their mind I feel like that's what's happening but on the flip side I feel like one of the other things I tend to see a lot is that people love open concept everything with it, you know within their space itself it's like if we are doing a full-on renovation a lot of my clients tend to bring me all of these inspiration images that just show the entire house to be almost open, which is, you know, really interesting to everyone wants like this nice, like really effortless flow from one space to another. So that's something I'm also noticing right Hmm. now.
0: (laughs) Is there one thing that you, if they came to you, you would not do? Is there something where you have like a design
1: limit? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think one of the, I've had to say no to, I've had to say no to clients with, you know, specific budgets. It's, it's tough to say. It, and you know, I definitely wasn't doing this earlier on in my my business, my entrepreneur career, like with my, having my business and whatnot. But it does get really difficult designing to a certain number, especially if it's very limited. Working with my clients, I love to always present. I This is what I always do. I always present three options, especially with our budget and, their, and when we're procuring furniture, because it's just like better to see the reality of what the potential, of what it can look like. So I always present a high and a low budget it, and then I always present a high low budget, which is a mix, which is always what everyone usually tends to go for. And it's better because, you know, when you when you start limiting yourself. And are when a client is like only expecting a certain tier of, of like product that will go into their house, it makes it difficult for me as a designer to really take it there. And it's basically it, it's we're only limited to really procuring from the same three stores that you know probably will have the best quality in terms of budget and price and like longevity. That's sort of what I've had to turn down work because it gets a bit I mean it's not like it's not doable but it's not I'm so much more feel like I could offer so much more
0: (laughs) when designing someone and they're wanting to do you know this high low that you're talking about is there something that you say you know this will be the best bang for your buck
1: I always if I feel it in my gut if I see something and it like again it speaks to me it's this insane like visceral reaction I have to it I thousand percent always push for it and then I'm like you have like you cannot live with this piece I can't live without this piece. And then I will like try to present it in X, Y, and Z in like so many different ways where they just can't like not. And for the most part, it always works out. There are certain times where I've been like shopping with a client or like we'll see something really cool online or, you know, anything. And then it's just, it's like a must have. And I always think of, you know, it's not like I always will try to push it to the client and like really try to have them purchase it without their consent. I always keep in mind like their budget and like if it makes sense, if it's gonna date itself in like 10 years sort of thing. I always go through those motions of that And if it does make sense, if the stars align, then it's like, why not? You have to. Definitely pushed for so many great things. Most of it is usually vintage. Mm -hmm. And like things that like we could like repurpose and reupholster, those are definitely the best finds because it's like, if it looks really good in its current state where it's like a little disheveled, but like has amazing bones, can you like imagine how much more amazing would be if we just fixed it up a little. Those are definitely like the things that I love pushing for. I think one of the other things I love definitely making my clients like get more into is like, you know, natural materials like stones and just like things that mother nature herself produces. Those types of things will never go out of style, are very, very timeless. So I always try to push the envelope with like having my clients be more open to that versus like going the synthetic route, which, you know, a lot of people are doing right now. It's actually not about that. So I Always try to make sure that that is incorporated in some part of my project with them, just because it's like that will never die. I think a timeless thing. So yeah, really, how would you define your design style then? For sure, I think my design style, if you were to look at it at first glance, it's very textural. It's very layered. I love playing with bold statement type of pieces, and I love playing with subtle pieces too. And I think a good way to sort of describe It's the sort of, it's like timeless and functional and comfortable, very effortless. It's like one of those, like my style is very much play on materiality too. I'm not afraid of mixing materials, which mm-hmm. I love doing now for everybody. So it's one of those things where you can go into a room and see like an elevated version of California chic, I feel. Do mm-hmm.
0: you feel like your style or the way you approach design, that your cultural background had something to do with that? Do you feel- like it's influenced you in any way
1: it's influenced me for sure i think in more in the sense of do so i mention that i'm second generation i, I grew up with an immigrant family my parents are both from the philippines and I, it influenced me in a way where it just made me not want to do what everybody else was doing <laughs> so you know it's the norm for everybody in my culture to go into to, into stable jobs you know very safe jobs and there's nothing wrong with that you know a lot of my 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 parents, my husband and my sister and my brother, like they're all in amazing professions. They are, especially in this time, they are our heroes for sure because they're all healthcare workers. But I was also exposed to a side of my family who were artists too. And they were a Filipino family. That's a bit odd, I, I would say. Like, especially during, you know, back in the seventies and the eighties. So I was exposed to that. And because I was exposed to that, i that's why I knew I wanted to be just like that. And I wanted to always be against the grain, against, against what, you know, this sort of weird society like deemed was safe for us. So I grew up just wanting to be different and I was fortunate to have my parents to you know to nurture me in that way. They loved seeing what I could do so they were the ones who encouraged me to get into the arts. They took me to painting classes and after school programs and they helped me with my college and like taking me to all of these portfolio reviews and whatnot. So they were really really helpful to the process which you know I was fortunate and that to have that experience because they never never ever once forced me to go the other way. And so When I think about like how my cultural background had an influence, I think it was super major. In a way, that's what drove me to doing what I love to do.
0: I like to ask this question to everybody just because everybody has a different take on it. They had like super strict parents and they rebelled against that or they had- Uh our families and so it's just beautiful to see the different ways that people integrate and
1: use that I know I'd like to think of my parents as like being woke for their time for, <laughs> yeah, especially for definitely. like their yeah their time and their age and their parenting you know they were still their, your typical Asian American parents in that sense like every education and grades and every our well-being was like super important to them but at the end of the day they so appreciated that they just did not they just weren't so strict with that sense of even with my siblings they like let us do what we wanted to do and they trusted in us to work hard enough to get what we wanted so that's the beauty of it i think
0: what was your process like to go from say bob to yeah. an entrepreneur and working for yourself that's scary That's it a- is scary
1: <laughs> it, it's not easy <laughs> it's like the best and the worst experience i think i, I mean i think in two words it's like so if i were to describe this process of becoming a designer to a business owner because there are two there are two very different things yeah, like different. i've heard there is a big difference with wanting to just like be a designer and working for somebody and that's completely fine you know like you if you are the best designer then i think that's what you should do and find, you know if, if you are in that route find a place that will really appreciate you and let you be the best creative person you can be but like being a business Business owner is a totally different type of mindset. And I, from a very early age too, I think I've always wanted, I knew I would always want to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. I love just being on my own schedule. I'm definitely one of those people who can thrive on my own type of creativity. And I always knew that there was something more than just working at a firm, like every single day and doing the same thing. I had the biggest urge to do this on my own. I would think about like, three years living into Los Angeles and it was more so just because I maybe at the time I felt like I was in a rut because I was you know acting like I was a project manager and I was a senior designer but I was also getting stuck creatively I was doing a lot of excel sheets a lot of PMing a lot of like running a team and like you know making sure everyone's happy and then I felt like I was my insides were like screaming for this outlet it's like I just and I told myself I'm like maybe let me just get one person to let me do their house and maybe that will be the itch I needed to scratch. I just wanted to like get something out there on my own and leave like some sort of footprint. (laughs) So luckily enough, I was connected to another business owner who bought his first house and was looking for a designer and the stars aligned there. And once I got a taste of it, I was like, I think I need to make this a full-time thing. This was so much fun. Like the whole process, we're still working on this house actually, has been so enjoyable. Like I didn't realize how creative I could really, really be like being on my own. And again, you know, when I do say that, like, you know, being a designer and an owner, business owner two different things like that's the reality like when you are starting out is that you have to wear many hats but i think because i was able to scratch that itch with just being so creative outside of work it just opened my eyes to the reality of like what this can be so i left my stable cushy job which you know was amazing, but I needed to take the leap and my then- boyfriend at the time, my husband now was really the one who pushed me to doing it. He was like, you know you don't have a glass ceiling. you have so much potential And he was really, if anything, I think the most entrepreneurial one out of the two of us at the time. <laughs> and he was like, you know because he was on researching and listening to all these podcasts and reading all these like articles about like why it's like the best decision for a lot of people and he was really pushing that idea to me. And then once like was working on that project on my own and you know everything just sort of coming into alignment I felt like it was just time so I took the leap quit my job and I only had like two clients at the time but I made it work and it's just been this mindset of you know a lot of people are really nervous obviously when they do start out and I definitely was I was scared I think what I kept thinking about especially and I still you know to this day like have this mindset but I was I am hungry I need to feed myself if I don't work I am not feeding myself or my supporting my husband like there is no excuse for me to not work. So the drive, you find it and I've had this drive since I started. I've There's never a dull moment with anything going on. You will find any means to survive. Yeah, I you know. think you need to
0: really find that thing that pushes you. And yeah, awesome. I think it's awesome. Did you feel like design school prepared you to be your own boss? Yes. As a designer?
1: Thousand percent. I do feel like I'm not sure in a way if it helped me prepare to me be my own boss. Definitely helped me to prepare it helped me help me prepare to be a better interior designer and I think thousand percent encourage anybody who's thinking about going into this profession to go to school whether it's a four-year or two-year or certificate program it's just so necessary you know first off you meet your 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 people your peers a lot some of my close friends are still from school and you meet these amazing professors who are working and are so involved in the industry and then on top of that you you learn all the technical aspects of it which is honestly difficult to learn on your own. And it's something that you learn in school, and you hone through working in other firms, in my experience. And I feel like you definitely need to take that as your foundation before you like even think about becoming a designer. For You think about becoming a boss because the reality is like most firms won't even hire you unless you have some sort of formal training too. And as a business owner too, like whenever I look for interns or you know freelancers who can help uh, contribute to projects, like I need a certain skill set for them to know to really produce quality work so I think it's definitely important
0: is there any other advice that you would give anyone who's looking into coming into this industry or or even starting their own design
1: firm? I know um I mean one of the things I definitely encourage young designers or people starting out to do is to work in other offices. I think it is so important to just immerse yourself in like learnings of like how other firms function, how they do their work, like what their processes are, because every office is different. Like to be honest, I was actually up until like, like two years ago when I first started out, I still freelanced for other firms because I wanted to kind of gain insight as to how they handle their projects differently from what I, from what I need you, because again, everyone is different and it's just a great learning experience to, again, just immerse yourself in someone else's office culture and learn things their way because sometimes their way is better, you know, and you want to take that away. And as a younger designer, I've, you know, from when I graduated in 2010, I immediately started working in to different firms. I interned when I was in college. And then I worked myself up into like a senior designer position up until I was like 25 or 26 at the time. Those experiences, I will never ever like, those are like the things I'm most grateful for because... I learned so much, you know, I was able to, and even I think more than school sometimes, like I think I learned how to, definitely learn how to like put a construction set together. So now when I'm on my own here, Looking at a set, talking with a contractor—I know what I'm talking about. I learned like how to do you know details and all those finite technical things, and like how to discuss, how to you know how to discuss things with clients properly, and like how to do presentations properly. Like all those things, you don't—they don't teach you in school, and those things you only learn like working through an office. And I definitely encourage younger designers to work in different types of offices too. So from my earlier stages of my career, I've done like corporate 500 offices, and then. And I did branded environments, which is completely different monster. It's a different field for interior design. But I was so grateful for that because it's a lot of it is like graphic heavy. And then I've done retail and high end retail and that itself is a whole different ballgame because retail people, most people don't notice, you know, you're kind of like turning out 20 projects a year because especially with these brands who open up shop around the country and beyond, like they're on a schedule. So it's like working in retail is so eye-opening and like I did hospitality and high-end residential. So like I definitely encourage everyone to like sort of try everything. So they kind of understand like where they want to eventually end up and what their niche actually is. You know, there are most designers I feel like are really only good you know a lot of designers are good at very a lot of things but if you find the one part of the industry that you love and are really good at then it's like you know stick to it (laughs) having had all those different
0: experiences and dabbling in all those different ones do you feel like you have a favorite one like one that truly speaks to to you and
1: I didn't think I would love this at all but I really do love residential design It was actually one of the things I was very adverse to earlier in my career for some reason. It was, I don't know why, but I think when I moved here and to LA and when I started working on people's homes with Kelly, it was very eye-opening. And then doing it on my own, I could see more so why I loved it a lot because I was able to start forming relationships with these people, these clients of mine, and like really kind of becomes a very personal space. Mm -hmm. And I love the feedback I would get once I'm finished with someone's home. Like they would, you know, message me or call me and say like, i'm so happy walking through my space such a feeling when i come home having that became like my why if anything it's like i love i love creating environments for people that make them feel so happy and doing that in a, on a more personal level just makes that experience even more more so rewarding I think because you could really again like they become my inspiration throughout the process especially for a residential project so it's like you really can see the nitty-gritty and like the finite parts of their thinking and bring that to life and that's like a, such a joy in my job when passion
0: and where money meet. you know yeah. that, that combination is really truly magical
1: So it really is yeah.
0: so where do you see yourself 5, 10, 20 years like what what is the vision? What's the idea? Uh,
1: the vision, um, so for me and for my company, I'm hoping, you know, in 5, 10, 20 years that we will be a boutique-sized firm, you know, with with at least, like, a team of 10 Or so, you know, working on amazing, cool projects, hopefully all around the States and hopefully beyond. I'm just hoping if baseline, I'm hoping to just keep doing what I'm doing, just getting better and evolving at it as a business owner foremost. And then as a designer as well, kind of just hoping that, in these next decades that leaving footprints or just leaving my mark in many different places, whether it's in people's houses or out in a commercial project or a hospitality project. I think that is where I definitely see myself growing into and then what I'm working towards right now.
0: <laughs> are there any resources that, you use that you suggest others to use if they're starting out
1: sure uh google is a great tool (laughs) so i love they've definitely seen a lot of my uh how and how what and what do i do (laughs) type of memes but i mean other other than the obvious i mean in terms of resources i definitely look a lot towards my other entrepreneur friends you know, creating a network of other like-minded people who are starting off on their own too is such a great resource in itself. And that's who I tend to surround myself with just because it's one, motivating. Two, it's also inspiring because, you know, everyone's on this journey. And especially if you see somebody who's made it, it's it's even more so makes you feel like it's attainable. So in terms of, you know, when I'm when I have questions or if I need just advice for something, I always turn to them. I think it's very important for people when they are starting out, to find their people too, to find those, that network, to just kind of socialize yourself with and familiarize yourself with those types of people, because they will be who uh, you can fall back on and vice versa, because they will, they will understand your struggles first and foremost, if anything, and can really empathize with you. If I were to think like more material resources and whatnot, I actually tend to love, I love looking at like what other countries are doing. That's actually where I tend to look for more like inspiration and like, other types of resources i want i always try to see like what they're using in terms of technology or how they're developing their processes and a different sort of way just to see what makes him more, makes him successful or what makes what makes it work or what doesn't make it work sort of half the time. So I love to look external or, or beyond like what I'm having to face on a daily. It's kind of it goes with my whole thing of being against the green sort of thing.
0: What you said about the network, I think it's so valuable. I, I once heard a quote that said you are the sum of the five
1: people yes. hang out with them." I, yeah I believe in that so much and I think it's very true. You know, if you're only surrounded by people who are not in the same field playing field as you then it's hard to like really get yourself to keep going but if you surround yourself with like five people who are in the same boat as you maybe one of them who's even like a lot further than you where you'd want to eventually attain it's sky's the limit really so it's like you only want to be around people who are constantly encouraging you and motivating you and can be your ear if you need to vent or like or just just to work next to too that like it's also important especially as a solopreneur you need to it can be a lonely process too like I think a lot of people don't realize like your coworkers are gone (laughs) like you're working by yourself now so it's even just finding somebody to go co-work next to or just spend some time with seeing them grind will also make you want to grind just as hard as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. It kind of forces you to level up also. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> it's friendly competition. That's why I like
1: it, it. it is friendly competition. I know I never, ever, to be honest, I never see anybody else as like a rival or like yeah. even other, other budding designers. It's if anything, I just want to go grab a coffee with them and see what they're doing <laughs> kind of thing. So it's never healthy to try to compare yourself with anybody else. If anything, everyone's everyone started somewhere at some point, And it's like, if you could find people who resonate um, with your thinking, that's like the best tool you could have in your arsenal for being an entrepreneur.
0: Absolutely. I am so thankful uh, that we this uh chance and opportunity to talk. I just want to give you last minute to kind of say what you're up to, where people can follow you. If you sure. have any announcements,
1: this is your time. Yeah. So you can find me online. I have a very good digital presence, I have my website at lvr-studios.com. You could also see my some of my work in, on Instagram. It's the same handle at LVR Studios. I am currently working on a bunch of cool projects right now, which I think we won't see until the beginning of next year. But just to give you some insight, we are just starting to expand upon a matcha and tea shop that we opened earlier this year before lockdown oh. happened. But we essentially... I was brought on to help create a new brand presence for this amazing matcha shop called Junbi. And we're slated to open hopefully so many more stores at the next year. And so I'm very excited for that because we we were basically developing this brand of interiors for them that will be based, will be built around the country. And so I'm hoping that everybody will get the chance to check it out, you know, once they're finally open. So The first two right now are in Westwood Village in California near the UCLA campus. The other one's in Roland Heights in East LA. And our third one that we're working on right now is going to be at Princeton University. Super cool, yeah. We're very excited for that space because it's a larger footprint. So it might be your quote unquote Almost flagship store off on the East Coast, which is going to be really exciting. So while we're doing that, we're also working on a really on um, a lot of cool furniture designs right now, custom furniture pieces that will be coming out, amazing residential projects in the LA area. So stay tuned.
0: Yeah, very excited. Yeah. We can't wait to see your updated works, and I'm sure you'll be posting them all over your social media and your. For web. sure. Thank you again, Lauren. It has been thank a you. Closer. And everyone go check her out. She really has an amazing eye for texture and color and can't recommend her her design anymore. (laughs) Thank
1: you so much. Thank you so much.